The Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what you AEW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along with Justin D'Onofrio, and we are here. Super Bowl 55 is on Sunday. I mean, we got the quarterback matchup we've all dreamed of, Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady. Obviously, Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. Patrick Mahomes, the greatest quarterback of this generation. And it should be it should be a really, really great game between these two teams. I mean, obviously, the hype between the quarterbacks, uh, the hype, this is the first time that the Buccaneers have played in a Super Bowl in their home stadium. And but before we go into the games, I'll let Justin have an opening thought, just like I I just did. Yeah, you know it should be an exciting one. Um, you said it. You know, two of the best quarterback matchups. Um, Tampa playing at the home stadium, which is great. It, it should be a fun one. It should be a shootout. So, um, really looking forward to this game. It, it it's going to be a good one. Yes, yes, it should, should be a great game. And looking at this game right now, it, I mean, you look at these two teams, you look at the Chiefs, you look at the Buccaneers. I mean, obviously how they got here, the Chiefs uh, beating the Browns uh, in a close one, and then they beat they beat the uh, Bills handedly. The Buccaneers uh, beat, pretty much winning close games throughout the playoffs on the road, winning three road games in Washington, uh, New, or- in New Orleans, and then uh, in Green Bay. And, and for this game, I think this is going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think on the offensive side of the ball, though, I think the Chiefs are going to be – I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. I think that's the one thing we we all know in this game. I don't even think they're going to try to run the ball in this game. I don't think they're going to run the ball at all. I think they're they're going to try a little bit, but but they know Tampa Bay's got a great run defense, and and, and they, they should be able to shut that down. Even though Levante David is questionable with a hamstring injury, they should be able to shut that down. But I think – that Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be under pressure. We know that because Eric Fisher is going to be out, so he's going to be under pressure. But Patrick Mahomes is just so good under pressure. He's going to be able to make plays under pressure. I think they, the, the, the Chiefs move the ball through the air. I think they Mahomes has at least over, 200, over 250 passing yards, maybe close to 300 passing yards. And I do think the Chiefs put up uh, over 30 points in this game. But the Bucks on offense, I think they run the ball, but not great. I think they run it just like the first matchup, maybe a little bit under 100 yards, maybe like around maybe 80 to 100 yards rushing on the ground. And then I think that Tom Brady has a pretty good game through the air, though. I do think that the Chiefs will blitz him, but I do think Brady's going to be able to get, get the ball to Mike Evans, get the ball to Chris Godwin, get the ball to Antonio Brown. And I think they move the ball as well. But I think the difference in this game is going to be I think Mahomes will make more plays. And I think he makes less mistakes. I do think Brady turns the ball over because we turn the ball over because we saw Brady turn the ball over three times in the second half of the of the NFC Championship game. I think Brady turns the ball over once. I think there's only one turnover in this game. I think it's by Tom Brady. But I think this is a really close competitive game. But I'm going to go with the team with the better coach and the better quarterback. And I got Kansas City repeating as Super Bowl champions, winning 31-24 with Patrick Mahomes being the MVP. And we got Hector's prediction. His prediction is 37-30 Chiefs. But Justin, here's the question. We know Brady has been great. It's been great. But the biggest reason why the Bucs are in the Super Bowl is because of the way their defense has been playing, by getting pressure with their front four and forcing turnovers. Can they continue this and help Brady get a seventh ring? They get a chance. The first meeting, they got 16 pressures on Patrick Mahomes, and it did lead to five um, Chiefs offensive line penalties. So they got to Mahomes now. It, it's tough to bring him down three, four times a game. He was sacked, I think, like fifth less in the league this year. Um, so I, I think the Bucks can have success getting after him. Um, but you, you know, you said it, he's so good under pressure that it really doesn't phase him. He's still, and he can, and even getting hit, he still makes a spectacular throw to get rid of the ball or something. So 
it, it's more, you know, the Bucks have to contain him and make sure he cannot scramble over the place and just um, extend plays like he usually does. I could see ha- the Bucks having um, success in that, but, you know, it, it is Patrick Mahomes, so it's, it's tough, obviously, to bring him down. Absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to get to, like, our first uh, matchup of the game, and obviously we'll start with the Bucks defense against the uh, Chiefs offense. And I think it's pretty obvious the way the Bucks defense has to play Patrick Mahomes. They cannot blitz. They cannot blitz at all because you look at the numbers. Three of Mahomes' touchdown passes, two of them to Tyree, two of the touchdown passes to Tyreek Hill were on blitzes. A th- it all, and, and in all three touchdown passes, they were in man coverage. And, one, and it was one quarter was in man coverage. That was Carlton Davis. They really can't play a lot of man coverage, and they cannot blitz. That's something that the Buccaneers cannot do in this game. So I think they're going to have to rush four, which you, you saw – the one turnover, one of the the one turnover they forced in the game was when they rushed for with Shaq Barrett. He beat Eric Fisher and uh, caused Mahomes to fumble the ball. So they're gonna have to rush four, play uh, drop seven, play zone, and li- limit the Kansas City Chiefs' big plays. That's the best way for the Chiefs to for the for the Bucks to attack the Chiefs' offense, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, it does worry me with the two safeties, both questionable, Whitehead and. Um... Winfield out, you know, that, that could be a big issue um, for the Bucks in the back end of things. But yeah, you know, you, you can't, you can't blitz because yeah, Mahomes is so great at getting rid of the ball. Um, it, it does not phase him with the blitz. Um, one thing, you know, inter- you know it, because yeah, Tampa should be able to stop the running game this in, in the ball game Sunday. And that could take away the play action for Kansas city. So if they're able to do that and they could just, continue to rely dropping back, you know, seven guys. I think it could really help out because last time Mahomes had 462 and just absolutely tore this defense apart. I don't think he's going to have that many yards again this time. Yeah, I think, I think, the, yeah, I think yeah, it back. Um, especially with all the weapons they have. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, in Tampa secondary is so weak. They played, you know, they're they're weak. So with all the weapons the Chiefs have, and Sammy Watkins, of course, we is sounds optimistic he's going to play Sunday. So um, by dropping back, playing a lot of zone, definitely going to help this Bucks defense. Absolutely, I just I just can't see if Todd Bowles comes out and blitzes, they're they're going to be in big trouble because Mahomes just you can't if he's the he's like the one quarterback in this league you absolutely cannot blitz because he's just outstanding against the blitz. It doesn't matter that he's under pressure. He'll, he'll, he'll make plays under pressure. He, he has so much trust in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey that he will get the ball to one of those two guys if you blitz him. So you you absolutely cannot blitz Mahomes. Now we look at the uh, we look at the uh, Bucks offense against the Chiefs. Uh, no, we look at the Chiefs offense against the Bucks against the Bucks defense. And I think th- I think this is going to be a little interesting because the Chiefs like to throw the ball down the field. But the but the problem in this game is 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 that Eric Fisher's out, so they, so their offensive line could be in trouble in this game, and they could have trouble blocking Jason Pierre-Paul. They could have trouble blocking Shaq Barrett. They could have trouble blocking the Dominican Sioux. So I think they're going to have to come out with some RPOs, some screens, some crossing routes. I think that's what they're going to have to do, you know, early in the game to to limit those third and longs. You know, third third and two, third and three is is, is a big difference from third and ten. So. So it's so they I would I would think Andy Reid and I have faith in Andy Reid that he's going to be able to come up with a game plan to get the ball in Mahomes' hands quickly so this pass rush doesn't have a huge uh, 
a huge impact that doesn't have the, a humongous impact on the game where it ends up deciding the game. And uh, yeah, so I, I think RPO screens, crossing routes. I think that's what that's the way the Chiefs will attack them. And obviously, if they do get behind, they will throw the ball down the field. And you saw last year that is even though even if Mahomes was being pressured, he still was very capable of coming back. Even if he's being pressured all game, you saw it last year against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. He, that he he he, he was he, it affected him a little bit, but in the fourth quarter he was outstanding. So, but I do think they should compensate for their for their inju- for their injuries on the offensive line, especially a tackle. On offense, I think that's the way the Chiefs should attack the Bucks defense. Yeah, I agree with you. Because Clyde Edwards-Helaire is back, and it's you know obviously you know we've seen what he can do in the screen um, in the screen game. So definitely a huge that uh, he's back and healthy. He'll be out there Sunday. You know, I also think for the Chiefs, the first meeting too. You know, uh, we know Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first half, but he, you know Travis Kelsey had nine catches for like 90 yards. So he's another guy that you know. Get rid of the ball fit quickly. Get tight, um, Kelsey the ball because they could not cover him the first game. I don't really expect Tampa to have much success covering him again. One of the best tight ends in the league. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Mahomes get rid of the ball quickly with this offensive line being without Eric Fisher, and you know, um, so may not you know. I, I still think they're going to take some shots, but probably maybe not as many, especially maybe early on in the game. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think early in the game, they're going to, you know, get the ball to Mahomes' hands quick and see how the game ends up going. And then once, and obviously once they get behind, just like last year, they'll start taking shots down the field. So that, that, that's how I think that Andy Reid is going to be able to attack uh, the Chiefs, the the, uh, the uh, Bucks defense. Because Andy Reid's one of the smartest, is the smartest offensive coach in football. He's not just going to sit there and have Mahomes chuck the ball down the field, especially with his two tackles out and let Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre get there. I have a really good feeling that that, 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 yes, the pass rush of Tampa Bay is going to affect the game, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to impact how, how the Chiefs play on offense. I still think the Chiefs are going to move the ball a lot against this Buccaneers defense. But we'll go to the uh, Bucks offense against the Chiefs defense. And I think for the Bucks offense, the biggest thing is, is I think it's establishing the running game. I think if Tampa, because Tampa Bay didn't do a great job of it in the first game, if Tampa Bay could establish this running game and they could keep Mahomes off the field, I think this this is obvious. This is their best chance to win. I think they. I think, and you look at the Bucks' record this year. They're eight and one when they rush for over a hundred yards. They're six and four when they rush for under a hundred yards. So the running game, and, and they rush for over a hundred yards in two of the three playoff wins: the win against the Reds, against Washington, and the win against the and the win against the Saints. So running the ball is going to be a major, major uh, factor for the uh, for for the for the Bucks in this game. If they can get a running game going. I think they have a really good chance to win this game. Uh, and, and that would open up play action for, and get it would get Rob Gronkowski involved. It would get obviously Antonio Brown and, and uh, the big receivers, Godwin and, and uh, Evans involved. So I think running the football is going to be so crucial for the Bucks in this game because the Chiefs can't get pressure on Brady, and it will set up play action. So running the ball crucial for the Bucks. I think that's the way the Bucks should attack the Kansas City defense. Yeah, you know, get, keeping Mahomes off the field is definitely important. Be able to run the football. Um, especially, you know, yeah, keeping him off the field. You know, I think, you know, I think for the Bucks too, I think that will be important game play action uh, because um, Spagnuolo loves to blitz guys. They, they, I think they blitz like 25% of the time. Um, they're going to come after Brady, and we know it's tough to um, really confuse Brady. I know that one interception he had in the second half, I think they got a bit confused there, but most of the time, so, yeah, they can run the ball. Um, and take take advantage of man coverage with all the weapons they have because KC secondary is not anything special either. So 
if they can get like a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin one-on-one or Gronk or, um, you know, they, they definitely will be able to have success on offense and be able to move the football. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think if they aren't able to run the ball, I think it's going to be a tough day because obviously then, you know, Kansas City will, will, uh, will be able to blitz. Spagnuolo will blitz Brady all day. And I think Brady, and even this year, has just not been the same quarterback when he's when he's been under pressure. As we saw in the Saints game, we saw at times in the Chiefs game, we saw against the Rams. So Brady's just not. It's been this way his whole career, but especially this year when he's been, even against the Bears on that Thursday night game. So we've yeah, it's, it, we've seen especially this year that when Brady's been under pressure, he's had a lot of trouble. So the run game, obviously, a humongous, humongous key for the Bucks. Definitely, you know. Um... Yeah, because it you know keeps yeah it uh, keeps Casey off balance, and yeah you know it kind of keeps Casey having to guess, and again it just, yeah opens everything up. It'll open everything up for the Buccaneers offense on Sunday. Oh oh, oh absolutely absolutely, and and so so lastly we're going to talk about the uh, the Chiefs defense against the Bucks offense, and I think for the Chiefs I think I think you bring pressure because I don't know if they're going to be able to get there with four. I think the Bucks offensive line is pretty good with with uh, Tristan Wirfs. Uh, uh, Ryan Jensen, uh, Ali Marpet. I think that offensive line is pretty good. Yeah, the left side's a little shaky, but the right side is really good. And the Chiefs don't really have a good second pass rusher. I mean, obviously, Frank Clark is very good on the interior, but he's probably going to be doubled or Marpet's going to be on him most of the game. Uh, and then we'll see where they line up Frank Clark. They really should line Frank Clark up on the on the left side to go up against Donovan Smith instead of the right side to go up against Tristan Wirfs. I think that would be better for Kansas City. But obviously – uh, if that happens, uh, you know, you could use Gronk or break to chip on that left side. So they're probably going to use help on Donovan Smith's side, no matter who is ru- who's rushing there or on the side where a D Ford is rushing. They'll probably bring help there. So I don't think they're going to they're going to have a ton of success rushing with four. But I do think Spagnuolo is going to bring people in this game. They're, he's he's going to be able to blitz. And the thing the key is, is for Tampa Bay is they got to be able to pick up those blitzes. If they're able to pick up those blitzes, because it's going to be a lot of because then uh, Kansas City is going to be in a lot of man coverage. You're going to have Rashard Breeland, Tredavious Ward, and a Sneed on uh, Antonio Brown, on uh, on Mike Evans, and on uh, on on Chris Godwin. So you're going to have them playing man coverage uh, corners that are not great playing man coverage against really good receivers. So if the Bucks are able to pick up those blitzes, I think they could have a lot of success in the game. But I do think Spagnuolo's come with the blitz. I think he's going to bring five or six people to get to Tom Brady and get Brady off his spot. And I do think that's the way that this defense should be able to uh, at- at- attack the attack uh, Tampa Bay's offense. Because say you rush four and you drop seven into coverage, Brady's so good against zone defense. He picks zone defense apart. We know that from the years he played the Pittsburgh Steelers. He would destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers for years because he would he would he would pick pick zone defenses apart. I think he, even though the Bucks have really good receivers, because back in those days the Patriots didn't have great receivers, so you could play man coverage. But but uh, I think because the Bucks do have better receivers, it's going to be a little bit risky to play man coverage. But if you could bring pressure and get Brady off his spot, because you saw that one interception he he had was against the Blitz, and 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 two of his interceptions he had in the first meeting. If you watch the first meeting. Two of those interceptions came against against when they when the Bucks when the Bucks brought pressure. Two two of those picks he had in the red zone. So I think you're going to see it again. I think you're going to see Steve Spagnuolo bring pressure. And for me, that's the best way for Kansas City to attack Tampa Bay. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah, you got to blitz on because yeah, obviously too Brady's not mobile, so you know he, he cannot run around and like Patrick Mahomes can. Um, you know, and, and another thing, you know, depending, you know. We know they're going to bring pressure, but I also like too the coverages that they had on Diggs. They switched it up every time. 
because Diggs really did not do anything that AFC Championship. He, he had a few catches, but really he was, you know, not wasn't really a big part of that offense at all. So if um, they can kind of switch it around, you know, and, um, you know, Mike Evans and, you know, and they have so many um, other guys that they could step up than the Bills had at wide receiver. But still, I think if you kind of switch things up, um, you know, I, I think the Chiefs will be able to have success. But, yeah, I, I think blitzing for the Chiefs is going to be a huge key in this game for them to get after Tom Brady. And, you know, yeah, the only thing is, you know, because, yeah, because if they sit back there in zone all those years, watch him in New England, he'll he'll pick you apart with all those receivers he has. You'll be in trouble. Oh, oh, absolutely. And he did it in the first round against Washington, too. Just when you when you have a team just sitting back there in zone, it's not, it's just not going to work. I think I think it's I think it's I know the matchups aren't great with their corners against their wide receivers, but it worked a little bit in the first game with those with those uh uh, with with those two interceptions, so you've got you just have to continue to as we've known just throughout his whole career get pressure on Brady. That's the best way to beat him. Definitely, you know, um, yeah, that first meet, yeah, they got it that fast lead, and you know, and it made the Tampa Bay have to be one dimensional too and throw the ball, and it came after him, and yeah, they probably made mistakes, and he definitely cannot he cannot afford that in this game against Kansas City because Mahomes will take advantage of that every time. Oh, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay cannot turn the ball over three times like they're doing in Screen Bay and expect to win. This is a this is a better, arguably a better quarterback, but definitely a better coaching staff. And they're not going to kick the field goal when they're down by eight points. That team's going to try to score the touchdown. So you, you you can't be you can't be you can't be turning the ball over this time this time around, or even rely or even I know their defense done a great job forcing turnovers, six turnovers in their last two games. Kansas City. Does not turn the ball does not turn the ball over much at all. So you cannot rely on turnovers if you're the Bucks or turn the ball over. That's the if you if you if you do that you're not you're not winning this game. No, you know you may lose by two three scores if you if Brady if Brady throws two three interceptions they yeah they could definitely get blown out of this game because yeah Mahomes does not make mistakes. You cannot give him extra possessions. And it, for a rare chance if Mahomes does give you an extra possession, you got to take advantage of it. Um, you know, and that's something he do, you know, Rogers usually pretty good. They got away with it last week or two weeks ago, but Mahomes is not going to, you know, um, only have one touchdown off three turnovers. It's not happening. No way. No way. Not at all. So, you know, maybe like final thoughts of this game. I mean, obviously if you guys joined us late, I have the chiefs winning 31, 24. I just think that, you know, Better quarterback, better coach. I think it's obviously. I think still think it's going to be a really competitive game between these two teams because Brady's not going down without a fight. And I listen. I respect everything Tom Brady's done this year. I mean, obviously leaving New England, a lot of people questioned him for that move. He was the guy, obviously, who was right to leave New England. The reason that New England wasn't good last offense wasn't good last year was because of the weapons around Brady. It wasn't Tom Brady. He proved that this year. He went to a team that was more talented. He proved that this year and got to a Super Bowl. So no disrespect. Brady's had a great year. I just, I just in a, in a game like this, I just, and I never pick against Kansas City. I never, I, I, I pick Kansas City to win the Super Bowl in the preseason, and in all of our games we picked this year, I never picked against Kansas City. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pick the pick start now and pick against them again. I never bet against Mahomes. That's why I think this Kansas City Chiefs team, they've been outstanding the last three years, and I think they win back to back Super Bowls. And I think Mahomes wins another MVP. I just think he's right now. He's in the per, it's a perfect storm. Great coach. Great weapons around him, and he's arguably, and he is 
in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league. So perfect storm right now, and that and that's why I, I, on Sunday I'm going with Kansas City in this game. Yeah, I got the Chiefs 31-27. I, you know, I am torn. Um, do I want to see Brady? Because, yeah, of course you. Yeah. You probably want the Bucks to win the game. I, uh, I, I do. I, you know, I want to see Brady win. The only problem is I don't want to see Arians win just because of all the trash he's been talking about Bill the last few weeks. It's actually starting to get on my mind. Um, it's starting to annoy me. Um, you know, he's got no rings, but he takes all. Thinks so. Whatever, but uh, so that's why I'm kind of like, do I really want the Bucks to win? Um, but yeah, you know, I, I got the Chiefs 31-27. I just, I think the one game I picked against the Chiefs this year was against the Ravens that Monday night game, which and I, you learned after that. Yeah, don't I, ever pick against them. Nope, I don't know what I was thinking that night, but yeah, um, yeah I'm not. Yeah, it's not smart to pick against Patrick Mahomes. Or no, I did twice. I did the Sunday night game against the Raiders too. I thought, oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Right. Well, it's right you're, before you're I found out that the whole my brother told me ten minutes later, like all the all the Raider defenses hurt. I'm like, oh, that doesn't oh, yeah. well. So yeah, but they almost um, won that game. The Raiders. They did. They did. They had a chance to win that one. But um, I'll tell you know. I, again, I just I don't see this Tampa Bay defense just do, being able to do enough to slow down this KC offense like anybody else in this league. And I'll take I'll take the Chiefs to go 31-27. Yeah, it should be a great game. My excitement level is a nine out of ten. The only time it's a 10 out of 10 is when the Giants play. So my excitement level is a 9 out of 10. And I think the NFL, uh, lastly, is, is, is did a great job. I mean, it was, I don't want to jinx it because, the, you know, they, they haven't played the Super Bowl yet. But every game, all 258, 268 games that have went on, they've all been played. No, they have not lost. They have not had to postpone a game. So Roger Goodell has done an outstanding job this season. They pretty much played an NFL season. Through a pandemic, and they and they and they all have all but survived. I mean, we'll find out. Obviously, we'll find out Sunday if they can get get through this game, which I'm 99 sure they will. But they've pretty much all but survived playing through a pandemic. So great job by Roger Goodell. I mean, he did an outstanding job this year, and uh, it should be an outstanding game on Sunday. Yeah, you know, to get through his again, we've seen every other sport having to cancel postpone games and. Yeah, to be able to get through it all and be able to reschedule them. I know the scheduling was weird at points of the season, but um, they it ended up working out. And yeah, you know, um, did a great job of the league and Roger Goodell to be able to get all every game in. And you know, uh, Sunday night should be an exciting one. And you know, I'm definitely really excited for this one. And you know, then just to get through a year like this is remarkable at the NFL. Without question, without question. So we'll get to other NFL news, and we'll start with uh, Matthew Stafford. Obviously, the Stafford golf trade uh, on Saturday night. Stafford and golf. Uh, uh, the, the Rams and Lions exchanged uh, their their number one overall picks. Uh, the Rams, in exchange for uh, Stafford, the Lions ended up getting Jared Goff. They got a third round pick in 2021 and a first round pick in 2022 and 23. So looking at this trade for me. This is the best team, Stafford. I mean, 2004, you could argue 2014 when the Lions had Calvin Johnson, uh, Dominican Sue, to DeAndre Levy, Golden Tate, when they had that team that went that went 11 and five and lost to the Cowboys in the wild card round. But I think this team, this Rams team, is going to be on next year. It's going to be the best. It's going to be the best team he's ever been on. Obviously, by far the best coach he's ever going to have. So I think that you know with that defense, I think I think I know Stafford's not won a playoff game. But you have to consider that if you're going to consider them Super Bowl contenders with Jared Goff, you have to consider them Super Bowl contenders with uh, Matthew Stafford. There's, there's no way you can. I mean, I think, I think that this team, I don't know, they, they probably won't be my, be my pick to go to the Super Bowl next year. But I do think they're Super Bowl contenders. 
And I do think they're a little bit they're a little bit better. I mean, not not much better, but a little bit better making this move because because of how great their defense is with 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 Aaron Donald, with Jalen Ramsey, with with uh, Michael Brockers, Leonard Floyd. How, how how great this defense is! They were they were the best defense in the, in the league this year, and they upgraded a little bit. Of, they upgraded a quarterback with Matthew Stafford. So I think this is a good move for the Rams and for the Lions. You know they're rebuilding. I mean, you don't know if Jared Goff's going to be their guy. Even though they're a GM, even though they're they're new GM, uh, trying to get his first name. I think Holmes is his uh, last name. Uh, he he he, Brad Holmes. Brad Holmes. He came from the Rams. He was the uh, director of college scouting for the Rams. So he knows Jared Goff better than anyone. So we'll see if he ends up having Goff be his guy. And now it just seems like the Lions are rebuilding. You know, third round pick next year, two first round picks in 2022 and 2023. So it really looks like this is a Lions team. This is a Lions team, obviously, that's rebuilding. We'll see if the big question is, is Jared Goff going to be their guy? It's tough to say. It's going to be hard. I think they're going to end up having to move on from him because I think the team is not going to be good. And I don't think Goff's going to be able to make up for it for them. For it. And they're probably going to end up going 5-11 and 11 or 4-12. and 12. And they'll probably end up getting rid of him and drafting a quarterback. But it, 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 Detroit's in a rebuild, and the Rams are ready to compete for a championship next year. That, that's my take on the trade. Yeah, you know, for Stafford, it's great for him to be able to finally get out of Detroit. I, did you hear this? I guess Sean McVay and his fiance, Matthew Stafford, and his wife were all yeah, Peter, yeah, Peter Schrager, yeah, Peter Schrager said that, yeah, yeah, that was like, huh, that's coincidence, <laughs> you know, they're at the same time, but uh. Yeah, you know, good for yeah. It's gonna be very weird for Stafford to actually have a defense and actually have a running game too. That's I think I saw he's only had like thirteen games where his team's over rushed for like over hundred yards or something like that. Yeah, like, I think wow. so. I think he had like one a thousand yard rusher in his entire career. I think that was like Reggie Bush in two thousand thirteen or something. I think he had once in his career he's had a he's had a thousand yard rusher in his career. That's, that's crazy. That, that's crazy. Uh, just you know, have that for non existent for that long. Um so yeah, it's good for him to Finally get out and have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. I definitely put the Rams right there. I don't, you know, I don't have a prediction yet for next year's Super Bowl, but the Rams definitely have a great shot now adding uh, Matthew Stafford. It's great for him to, you know, finally get out of there. But um, for Detroit, it, you know, it was, in, you know, it's interesting because for me, I don't know what golf is going to be the guy because, we know golf is – he really relies on a running game and play action, and he's not going to have that. Like, I think he's going to have a rough year. I really do. I, I think it's going to be a long year for Jared Goff that offense, and, unless they get a miracle get a running game this offseason. But I don't I don't know if that's going to – I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and you look at so. – in free agency, Kenny Galladay is a free agent. Marvin Jones is a free agent. So it's going to be – yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be a really a rebuilding roster. And I'm not saying Jared Goff's a bad quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback, but he he's he's not he's not a he's not a Deshaun Watson. He's not a uh, he's not a you know Patrick Mahomes. He's not obviously obviously he's not a uh, he's not a Josh Allen. He's not a top tier quarterback. He's not even a top ten quarterback. You can't even say he's a top ten quarterback. So he he really he's not even as good as Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott's a better quarterback than him. Kyler Murray's a better quarterback than him. So he's not a quarterback that, that could carry a team, carry a Lions team to even a playoff spot. Really, the most they would probably win is maybe. If he has the best year, he could. If he has, if he has a career year, maybe six or seven games. So it's yeah, it's it's it definitely for the Lions. They're in rebuild mode. It's going to be hard for Goff to carry them. Yeah, definitely, because he's not a guy like Safford either that can drop back fifty times and throw for four hundred yards. You know, he just, he can't make up for that. So yeah, I definitely think it, it's going to be uh, a rough year. Oh, oh, without without question, without question, it's going to be rough. Line, offense, safety. Yeah, you know, it sounds like you know, 
they could lose. They potentially could lose both of them. So, um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's gonna be a long year for Jerry Goff in that line scene. But the other crazy, I my last point about the rant. The, the last first round pick it was Jerry Goff, and they don't have one now for the next. You know, to be like nine years. It's like three late in NBA team. I know. Just get rid of the first round pick. I know. I know. But they have drafted well in the second, third, and yeah. and fourth round. The middle rounds they've drafted well, so that they've made up for you know not having a first round pick. But still, yeah, they just keep trading first round picks. But the, the argument there is their best player is a first round pick. So Aaron Donald. So yeah. So yeah, they just keep trading first round picks. So it's crazy what Les Need has done. This 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 move is if this doesn't work, Les Need will be fired, and and even the boy, the golden boy, of the NFL, Sean McVay, he'll be fired too. So there's, there's a lot of pressure on McVay and Snead to make this work. Definitely. You know, um, you know yeah, definitely. He's the NFL team throwing away picks, like first-round picks like that. But, yeah, they've done a great job in the middle round. To, has definitely boosted all that. But, yeah, you know, now it's time to go win a Super Bowl. I know, you know, you still got Russell Wilson. That division. We'll see what the Niners look like in the Cardinals. So it's a competitive – it could be a competitive division. But, yeah, you know, the Rams definitely now have to get to that Super Bowl. Oh, without question, but 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 talk still talking about Stafford. You know the one team he nixed the trade for. He did he did he did same thing with the Panthers too. But you know one team he didn't want to go to, and that's New England. And that leads us to our next point with Danny Amendola's comments, saying that you know the Patriot way was only because of you know Brady. You know the coaches didn't throw passes, uh, throw those passes or catch those balls. He was criticizing Belichick there. I think to a point, obviously, in my opinion, uh, Brady definitely, and I think it's the same opinion with you, Justin, Brady was more responsible for the Patriots' success than, than, than Belichick. I think that's a pretty obvious point. That, but, what, but, but, I st- you st- but you still can't uh, discredit what Belichick did. He's still the best coach in the league. He's still one of the greatest coaches of all time. You still can't discredit what Belichick did winning six Super Bowls. Yes, I know those six Super Bowls were with. Tom Brady, and I know when he's not had Tom Brady, he's had six losing seasons in the eight years he hasn't had Brady, and and only has one playoff win. But a lot of great coaches need to have great players. uh, uh, Chuck Knoll had one of the greatest – he had the greatest roster in NFL history and won four Super Bowls. He's considered one of the greatest coaches. Uh, 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 Bill Walsh had had Joe Montana as his quarterback. He's still one of the – and won three Super Bowl rings with Joe Montana. He's still one of the greatest coaches. Vince Lombardi had another great roster. He's considered one of the greatest coaches of all time. So you can't just discredit a coach just because he has a great player. Yes, yes, yes. Belichick, maybe he's not undisputably the greatest coach ever, like Brady is the greatest quarterback, but still, he's still the best. He's been the best coach in this league for the last two decades, and he and he uh, and he's and he's still one of the greatest coaches uh, ever in, in, in pro football. So yeah, I, I, I Amendola's comments, I get him saying Brady was was more responsible, but to say Belichick didn't really have much to do with it is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. You know, we're yeah, we've seen that Brady. Definitely, he's kind of taking the edge of, of Belichick of kind of being there, but you know, um, yeah, Bill, you're one of the coaches that better thrown a pass, but Brady never made a tackle, you know, or forced a fumble on the, you know, because it's it's been their defense too, it's been good for years, you know, and that's kind of been Bill's side of the ball, um, you know, yeah, I just I didn't like, you know, I didn't like it. You know, part of me too is it was such a weird offseason. I know the Patriots really didn't do much. They did have five opt outs. Yeah, um, it's still, 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 there's not. It's not an excuse to put the team they no, put on the field this year. Not. No, yeah, that that was, you know, ridiculous the way that they had that offense go out there and, and you know, 
week one and go out there and try to go win a, you know, go win a division because that, you know, that was ridiculous. Um, that be one of the worst offenses I've ever seen. So yeah, you know, again, Bill, yeah, Bill is definitely one of the best, you know, best I've seen. Again, what he's done against, you know, some good offenses. Look what he did against Patrick Mahomes in that in the AFC Championship game like two years ago. You know, um, they, they shut him down. It, like he's done some really good things, winning two six Super Bowls. I know the record doesn't look good without Brady and all that, but. Again, I you know I, I think next year he, he's got an extra month of an off season now, so who knows what he's planning down in this you know in his office right now. I I you know I didn't like that by Amendola what what he said about Bill. I you know I get he's not the easiest coach to play for, and but you know Adam, I know the contract situation was you know ended badly for him, but yeah you know I I, I don't you know I think that was a little over the top there by Amendola. Yeah, and I think he's a little bit bitter about what happened. He, he he left there, and obviously the last game he played for the Patriots was that Super Bowl where Bill benched Malcolm Butler and never really explained to anybody why he benched Malcolm Butler. So I think there's 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 been some bitterness with him and Belichick. And obviously, you know, he was with the Lions with Patricia and that and that failed. So there's been some bitterness with him with with him with him, Bill and Patricia. So I think there's bitterness there. I think that that's where those comments come. Those comments I think come out of uh, are because he's he's upset with with the coaching staff in New England. Definitely, you know, and I I know they kind of you know they're not you know the coach you know yeah you know they're a little bit tougher to get along. But the thing is, they're gonna get the best guys. There's never any drama. There's never any diva. You know, like there's never any issues you really hear out out there. You know. Um, you know, the only major one was like Aaron Hernandez. Like that was the only thing that really kind of slipped through the cracks there that we know of. So, you know, it, it was um, just, you know, yeah, it just, I know not the easiest guy to play for, but again, you do have to credit. He, he's done a heck of a job building this franchise because, you know, him and Brady building this franchise is they really never had much success before those two got here, you know? Um, so yeah, it just, I know he didn't get along with the coaching staff. It was a bitter ending, but you can't just say all that about Bill. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So, but we'll get to the thing which just kind of stem these issues with with, with the Patriots. Uh, Brady leaving, Stafford not wanting to play there, Emmanuel's comments. I think the one thing that really st- that has, that has, that has uh, led to these problems is is the lack of talent uh, New England has on their roster, and I think it starts with the draft. I think they've drafted very very poorly ever since 2013. They've Literally drafted one Pro Bowler, and that's Jamie Collins, and they let him walk. Uh, they they let it, they traded him in 2016. So they really, the, I know, I think they brought, I think uh, Shaq Mason yeah, and uh, and uh, Joe Tooney were undrafted free agents, but still, the drafting for New England has been absolutely terrible, and it's led to you know, it's led to them you know really taking a fall this year around the NFL. Te- people around teams around the league are just not re- are not respecting them anymore. Stafford obviously didn't want to play there. Amendola made comments and Brady said, I'm not, I'm not winning a Super Bowl here. I'm leaving too. So I think the philosophy of these, of the, 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 the Bill being the GM, I think they, if they have another bad year in personnel where they can't get free agents here, or they have another bad draft. I think it's time for Bill to re- relinquish that role for them to get a GM or a guy who's, who was made, who was in charge of personnel like Scott Pioli was when, when the Patriots were in the first part of their dynasty. I think they need, they need a guy that, you know, is in tr- more in charge of personnel. So Bill is just not doing everything. Cause I, I think that's becoming a problem 
with 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 that's going to be a real problem with New England, and that's why you saw Tom. It's why you're seeing Tom Brady playing the Super Bowl on Sunday. The biggest reason why you're seeing Brady playing the Super Bowl is is because New England didn't put the pieces around him that he wanted around him. Yeah, you know it's been a less you know definitely the drafting's been an issue. Um, it's you know. Again, they either trade it away or they, or it's again, it guy turns into a bust, and that's definitely been one of the big issues. You know, they, you know, it's yeah, it's Bill since Bill's been the GM, they don't really spend at all. They don't go out, you know, and I think the the thing was, you know, too with Brady is I think Brady would have stayed if they got more guys for him. I know he wanted a bigger contract, but I think he would have took the lesser contract knowing that. You know, I'll just throw out like they had like a Kenny Galladay or that Chris, you know, or uh, Chris Godwin, or if they um, drafted like a Justin Jefferson. Like, I think he would have probably, you know, could have still potentially been here. Um, you know, I, I I think Bill, I don't know if he would ever give up that GM role. I don't know if he would. Um, just, but again, could that be possible? Sure. Should he? You know, again. This is such a huge offseason for them. They have one of the biggest cast base out there still. You know, they they have number 15th pick. You know, it, this is such a huge kind of, um, you know, offseason. And then with the Stafford stuff, I, I think, it. you know, I was thinking about it more and more. I think it was mostly he just didn't want to play with Patricia again. I don't think he wanted to be anywhere near Matt Patricia. I, I think I think. It. I think that, but I do think it was that if he's, he's if he's going to be throwing a bird, he's going to be throwing to Jacoby Myers, he's going to be throwing to uh, Nikhil Harry. He didn't want to be throwing to those guys. He just didn't want to be doing that. And he did, he, and he didn't want to be playing in New England where it's cold and it's 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 regimented. He wanted to go down to L.A. where it was more relaxed. He's throwing to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and he has a running game and a really good defense behind him. Just a better roster the Rams have than the Patriots. I think he chose the better roster for uh, pl- playing for a team where right now where. Even if they had Matthew Stafford, they would be arguably maybe they would be close to the Miami Dolphins, but they wouldn't be better than the Buffalo Bills. There's just no way they would be a better team than the Bills, even if Stafford went there. No, they wouldn't. You know, um, they'd still need a bunch of pieces around, you know, Matt Stafford. I actually think for for the best. I know I said last week I'd take Stafford year two, but I'd rather just go find a quarterback that is gonna be here for the next 10, 10 years. So, you know, maybe I think it could turn out for the better for the Patriots if they go out and find somebody. But yeah, you know, um, I think it's just the, you know, the philosophy. And I know guys just, they don't like the way Bill kind of, with the contract stuff, he doesn't want to give you the full, you know, what you deserve at times. And it kind of rubs guys the wrong way. And I understand it. But, and the problem is when you have so much cast space and, you, and you're still not giving guys what they want and what they deserve, it, it rubs them the wrong way. And that's, and I think that's been the big issue with why, you know, we're kind of seeing all this, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, it, I could understand if he spends everything they have and, you know, guys are, I think guys would be okay with it, but until he starts kind of doing that again, uh, you know, I don't see things getting much better. So I'm, I'm, you know, obviously hoping as a Patriot fan that he goes out and spends in trades and hopefully they have a good draft this year. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 real. This is a huge year for them. This is a huge year for the Patriots because they got a lot of cap space and they really need to improve this team, or they're going to be living in in third or fourth place in the AFC East. So this is a huge offseason for them. Definitely, you know, they know the Jets rumors are out there for Deshaun Watson. You know, Miami's getting better, and the Bills kind of look like you, you know, 
they're going to be up there with the Kansas City Chiefs year in, year out right now in the AFC. So, yeah, you know, if they want to keep competing in this division, they better have a big offseason because, you know, the teams are only going to get better around them. You know, even the Jets, they're going to get better eventually. You know, who knows when, but they will at some point. Yes, and speaking of Deshaun Watson, it's now official. We all kind of knew he wanted out of Houston, but now it's official. He definitely wants out of Houston. Uh, on Thursday, uh, on Thursday, Nick, um, on Friday, Nick Casario said that uh, we have no, we have no intentions on trading Deshaun Watson. We have no, we have, we, we have zero interest in trading Deshaun Watson. You're gonna, it's gonna take a haul. It's gonna take a ton to get him. But they, they, I saw John McClain in an article: three first round picks, two second round picks, and two really good defensive players. So it's gonna take a haul to get Deshaun Watson. But at this point, if you're the Houston Texans and this guy doesn't want to play on your team. And say you wait till after the draft, and you can't get those picks for till 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 if you can't get those picks for this year, and then you can't even get a, a quarterback for this year. If I'm the Houston Texans, I think you, it, it, I think you have to trade him. I think you have to trade him before before April, before the middle of April. I think you just have to you just have to you just have to get rid of him at this point. He doesn't want to be on your team. I mean, unfortunately for Nick Casario, I mean people they were there before him, you know, got him to this point where he didn't want to play there. People like Bill O'Brien. People like Jack Easterby, who's still in the front office there, who probably should have gotten fired as well. But, yeah, I mean, those guys are the reasons that that uh, Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there anymore. But at this point, I think you've got to start over, and you just got to you just got to trade him, and you just got to you just get, and you just got to start your franchise over at this point because you're probably going to get rid of JJ, JJ Watt once out of there, and JJ Watt probably going to be gone too. So, I think you just have to just completely start fresh and start over with a new quarterback. And, and and just and just end this era because because you don't want an unhappy superstar that you can't trade. Have you, you can't be uh, at, at you can't be uh, in July when training camp starts and have an unhappy superstar that you can't trade. Yeah, you know it's unfortunate because it's 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 tough. He's a top five quarterback in this league. You know, um, with everything that happened this year, he still led the league in passing. Like he he was the reason why. You know, they won four or five games this year. Like he was, you know. Oh, without him, kinda, they might have like maybe one or two wins. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah, hey, without him, you know, he kept them so much competitive in games because the way you know how good he is. Oh, it, it's it's tough to kind of trade him. I, I again with the hall that they would, you know, again a team's getting because his contract extension doesn't even um um. It doesn't even start till next year. So you got a guy for the next four or five years that's a franchise quarterback. I think, you know, whatever they get, it's still not going to value what you had in Deshaun Watson. So it's kind of one of those situations. Look, if he's going to be unhappy and not fit and he's just, you know, I think you got to just trade him and just hope whatever you get can somewhat equal what you got, you know, in in Watson. But, you know, it's – it's a tough situation for the Texans. I think it is, you know, it's probably better just to just reset the whole thing and just, you know, rebuild. Yeah. Rebuild. You get rid of JJ Watt, but it's, it's such a tough situation, you know, but again, um, I know Casario doesn't want to treat him, but look, if he's not going to, you know, show up practice wise, when you get to July and August and this thing just gets brutal and you have to trade him now and, it's just it's just gonna create a whole even mess. So yeah, I, I think you you gotta treat him by the draft because um, you know they 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 have no he got no uh, 
no draft capital right now. So I think it's better to start this this rebuild as quick as possible for the fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how sad as it is that you have to get rid of Watson. You just got to start to rebuild, get some draft capital, and and, and just rebuild this franchise franchise your Nick Casario. I mean, and, and you feel bad for David Cauley, who got the who got the job as the head coach. The guy's been the guy's been in the league for over for over 25 years. He's 65 years old. He's finally got a chance to be a head coach. And now, and now, obviously, the the quarterback doesn't want to play for him. So you feel bad for David Cully, but but unfortunately, when you take a job like this, uh, that's what you're going to get. That's why it was probably better off for Eric Bieniemy not to get get a, or Brian Dable not to get a coaching job because if you look at the you look at the uh, Houston Texans, this is a job. You're a head coach. No matter what your talent is, you're probably gone in one or two years. Yeah, more than likely, because again, you know. They didn't even have a running game last year. Like, you know, you can't even rely on that. You bring in a new quarterback. They don't have much weapons. Um, because Will Fuller's a free agent, but you can't yeah. depend on him. Really, Brandon Cooks is their best receiver, and he's yeah, been on he's, four teams in seven years. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you can't rely on him to be your number one guy at times. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's going to be it's gonna be a long year for Texas. Do, do feel bad for David Collier finally getting his chance, but – He's not gonna have much to work with, especially you. Why? I know Watts kind of in and out. Injuries have been ruined, but um, yeah, we got a comment from a Sean, a Sean Scanlon. Uh, O'Brien ruined everything for the Texans with the Hopkins trade. And he's one hundred percent right. That was that was the one moment. That was the one moment where that franchise turned around. Because because we remember back in two thousand nineteen, they were up twenty four nothing on the Kansas City on Kansas City, up twenty four nothing on the on the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. They were up twenty four nothing. And then Bill O'Brien trades DeAndre Hopkins, and one of the probably the worst trade in my lifetime, trading him for David Johnson in the second round pick, and that turned everything around for the Texans franchise. Deshaun Watson started to started to get upset. It, it led to an zero and four start, led to O'Brien getting fired, and that that was the trade that after that that uh, that was that was the trade where everything fell apart. That 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 started the whole thing. That and then now now Watson Watson went out, and everything's falling apart. So. The DeAndre Sean Sean is 100% right. The DeAndre Hopkins trade was the trade that that sabotaged this organization. Oh yeah, definitely, you know. And they didn't even get a good haul for it either. You know, not getting a first round pick for one of the best wide receivers in the game is it's it, Again, the Cardinals got away with with robbery again against the uh Texans. It's you know, that was an absolute joke that they traded on. Yeah, it, that was the beginning of the downfall for the Houston Texans. And again, it's Going to take years to climb out of the hole at this point, and you know, the way they're going, yeah, that, that has to be one of the worst trades we'll we'll ever see in the history of the NFL. Even in, I guess, in every sport, that's going to be one of the worst trades. You know that 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 was ridiculous, and yeah, that that began the downfall. He's exact. Sean's exactly right. Yeah, Giants. The Giants got criticized for trading Odell Beckham, but that Odell Beckham trade, they they won that trade. That trade was a much better trade than 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 the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins. The DeAndre Hopkins trade. Uh, ruined that organization. It, it ruined that entire team. I mean, the Beckham trade. You can argue the Giants got a little bit better because of some of the players they got on defense. The uh, the, the the Texans trade that ruined that team, completely yeah. ruined it. Definitely, you know they they got David Johnson coming off twenty ACL, which was nothing special. A second round pick, which um, you know, you not getting a first round pick from was I was a word again. I uh, it, it was. One of the dumbest thing ever, yeah. The, you know, I remember that Giants, you know, Odell. I think I was probably criticizing as well, but it ended up being a good trade. And that Texans won. I don't think anybody's going to say it ended up well for the Texans. 
<laughs> they're they're going to say that was the move that that made that that destroyed the organization. That's what they're going to say with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. But we're going to shift over to baseball. We have a huge trade in baseball. We got we got a lot of baseball news to talk about. But before that, we got a promo from Baseball with the Bard. Looking for a casual baseball podcast to listen to? Well, Baseball with the Bard, presented by Clovercrest Media, has just what you're looking for. Tyler Bard and Noah Cross cover a wide range of happenings in the MLB and then dive into a deep focus on the Red Sox and Yankees. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for your weekly dose of Baseball with the Bard. All right, it was a big week in Major League Baseball. I had a huge trade as Nolan Arenado was traded to the Cardinals uh, this week. So that was that was that was a big trade for the Card- Cardinals. Tough for the Rockies because they lose their best player, but for the Cardinals, this adds power to a lineup that didn't have a lot of power last year. The Cardinals were last in home runs last year. Now they have him and Goldschmidt in the middle of the lineup. It's going to be nice for them to have a guy in the middle of that have Goldschmidt to have some protection in the middle of that lineup. Cardinals obviously have a good re- rotation with Jack Flaherty, good bullpen. So. I think this Cardinals team is going to be. I don't think they're. I don't even. I don't think they're a top three team. I still think the Padres, the Braves, and the Dodgers are better. I'd argue they might, might not even be a top four team. I still think the Mets might be might be better too. But I think I think that this Cardinals team is clearly the best team in a very weak NL Central. I think they win the NL Central by at least I'd say at least uh, five games. I, I think I think personally they win it by ten by ten by ten games because the NL Central is just not that good. So I think I think that. Uh, this is a huge, huge move for the Cardinals. And a couple questions I got for you, Justin, on this move. Does this move make them – this is kind of obvious. Does this move make them the best team in the NL Central? And, and this will be more – this will be more – this is probably the question. This is probably the answer I, that you would probably want, want to get. By how many games does it make them the best team in the NL Central? By the, you know, um, it definitely makes them the best team in the NL Central by far. I, I think I'm with you. I think they probably wouldn't have seen about 10 games. You know, I, I think this thing could be over, um, you know, by, and by uh, beginning of September. I think they could win this thing by double digits. I just, with all their, you know, with the Reds not retaining Bauer, with the Brewers kind of getting down here last year. I wrote that in my article. The Brewers were average. And then the uh, – yeah, right. you see what the Cubs are doing. Schwarber gone. Lester gone. Darvish gone. They didn't pick up Davies, but that's not enough to make up for. And they're trying to get rid of Bryant. So that's not enough for, to make up for what for what, they, what they're getting rid of. So, yes, this is definitely the Cardinals' division to lose this year. I think they win it by double digits. Yeah, definitely. You know, they, they you know adding Aaron out of the middle of the lineup is just makes that lineup even even scary. I know Paul DeYoung had a bad year last year, had a down year last year. But, you know, again, he, he if he can kind of come back from a couple bounce back a few years ago and have another big year at it, you know, having him as well with that lineup. Yeah. They, they'll definitely run away with the central central. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And now we see where the Cardinals are in the national league. And my question is, is does this make them contenders to win the national league? I, I'm with, I still have them the probably the fourth best team. I, I, I think the Mets are better than them. The Braves, the Dodgers, the Padres, um, yeah, I think the rotation—it's solid. The bullpen's solid. Um, you know, I think the outfield's kind of the biggest question mark of this team. Um, you know, with Fowler, O'Neill, and then I, um, Fowler, O'Neill, and um, Harrison Bader. So I don't think they're out. You know, their outfield's not great. I think you know they're we. I think their their lineup's probably weaker than um, the Dodgers, Braves, Mets, Braves. So I, I, you know, I'd probably put them fifth in the national. National League right now. Oh, absolutely! It's not like they're, they're going to be like you know top five and run score. This is this is yeah. a move 
make them, you know, respectable, middle of the pack, maybe top 10 in runs scored. So they're not going to be top five in runs scored. And yeah, I would, and I would even say, you know, the Dodgers, the, those other four teams have better rotations that, that, than that. And, and uh, really outside of the Mets, I'd argue those, those four teams, those, those four teams have better bullpens than the Cardinals. So I think that, yeah, I think they're a top five team in the NL and are going to be able to win an easy division, but I still think that that even though they got Arenado, one player doesn't make, as we know with Mike Trout, one player doesn't make a huge difference on a baseball team. So I still think they're a team that is, you know, a team that can very easily lose get in the playoffs because they're gonna they'll make they'll make the they'll be one of the eight teams that gets into the playoffs, but but losing the first round. So that, I, I still think that that's definitely gonna be the case for the Cardinals. But it's just the move just makes it just separates them from the the other four teams in a bad division. Yeah, definitely. You know. Um... You know, yeah, because I could maybe see him stealing a series against somebody, you know, because, again, their rotation's, yes, decent, and, and the bullpen's pretty good. But, yeah, you know, I, again, I don't – yeah, I, I don't see this team going much farther than that. To You know, I don't see this team having a shot to go to World Series or anything. Um, I don't – yeah, I don't see this team being like a Dodgers or a Braves or Padres and Mets. It just – they're not good enough yet, unless they really, unless there's some guys step up. I don't, yeah, I don't really see this, see them having a chance uh, to be any of those four teams. Oh, oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, no. I think they're they're improved, but they're not, but they're not one of the they're not one of the top teams in the NL by this move, but by, uh, by acquiring Arenado. But we'll get to another story, and that's baseball. It's planning to start their season on time. They, they there won't be a universal DH. There won't be you know expanded playoffs. They plan to start on time. Now I'm assuming that they're not going to have fans at the games in the first couple, maybe the first two to three months of the season. But but yeah, but I think I think it's uh, that. But that's going to be up to you know the, the cities of the, of the teams. But I just don't think there's going to be fans at games in, in those months. But but yeah, they 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 plan to start their season on time, and it's going to be interesting. To, to see what happens, it's going to be a full 162 game season, so it's going to be different for for all teams. You're not really going to have a team. You probably won't have a team like the Marlins make. It was a great story, but you're not going to have a team like the Marlins make the playoffs. So it should be interesting. But I still just don't like the fact, and we went over this last week, how the NL is now going to actually going back to having the pitcher hit. I just don't get that at all. But I don't mind the fact they don't have expanded playoffs, and I don't. And and as as and I've had an opinion. I think 162 games is too many baseball games, but. I'd rather have them play 162 than play 60. So, all in all, I don't mind what baseball's doing right uh, right now, starting the season on time. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I did hear for spring trading down in Florida. I think all stadiums are allowed to have like 24 percent capacity, somewhere around there. Wow, that's um, a spring training baseball. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is. I thought it, that was a weird number, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that ends up working out. Um, well, yeah, you know, I know the players wanted the 162. They didn't want to have their, you know, pay cut this year again and, you know, have to go through all that once again. So, yeah, you know, starting a time finally, 162, it definitely should be a fun year. But, yeah, you know, the universal DH, I know, yeah, we talked about a lot of week. It just – it still makes no sense. Um, but it's great. I think teams, like, report, like, less than two weeks. So, which is crazy because that kind of still feels like the Dodgers won the World Series. But – yeah, Korea, it's still right around the corner. I know it, it is. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see the baseball season. It's pretty, pretty much. I mean, spring training will probably start, you know, a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl. Pitchers and catchers will report. And, yeah, I mean, because I thought the season was going to get delayed by a month or two. But, you know, the baseball wants to, us to start early. And, and you, but, they, but you've seen how leagues have played through a pandemic. You saw baseball 
basketball played their season through a pandemic. You saw the NBA finish their season through a pandemic, and you saw how uh, the NHL and college football played through a pandemic. So you can you can play a full season through a pandemic. The NFL is just about to finish a season through through a pandemic, so it's been proven. So I, I I don't I don't mind the fact they're starting on time. The only thing they're gonna have to be careful of is COVID issues. You've seen that in the NBA. You see that in the NHL. They're probably gonna have to postpone games again due to COVID issues. Definitely, and I'll, um, again, yeah, yeah, there's probably gonna be a ton of double headers. So, I think they're going back to 98 double headers, which is going to be interesting this year. You know, uh, the taxing that could be on these pitching staffs and bullpens could be very, very um, interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, you know, um, it, it's good they're having having another season. But you know, I, I thought they were gonna probably. I know the owners wanted to wait, but I, I know the players had wanted no part of that. So I, I guess I get it, but I get I, I think it's part of the players just want to be, still be fighting the owners about something. So yeah, it's 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 going to be a weird year, and I think bullpens again. I think with all the delays you're going to postponements you're going to have, it could really affect teams. And then I think the one good thing that could help, which I guess well you really didn't see last year, is well. Because you do play three, four game series right in a row, so it is less travel than kind of leaving and, and going like the NHL and NBA every day. Because you could be in a city for a week, which does help a little bit more than yeah, other but, sports. Yeah, but the difference with travel this year, though, is they're going to be traveling all over all over the place. Yeah. You remember last year, they just really stuck to playing games in their division. They're going to be traveling all over the place this year. That's the difference between this this year and last year. Yeah, actually, yeah. So, yeah, that, that could definitely make a major difference um, th- this year, you know, and trying to make up games. Like if, you know, if the Yankees do miss a road trip, you know, in Oakland for some reason, you, you know, kind of sinks. You do have to go all the way out there for three games and come all the way back. But, you know, again, those possibilities could happen. And I guess you just have to go with it in a year like this. It's just, you know, you just got to roll the punch and just it is what it is, you know. The only way you could really play this year. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to talk about another unfortunate story in baseball, and that's uh, Mickey Callaway. You know, he's now been suspended as the Angels pitching coach for sending any inappropriate photos to five women in the organization. I think he should just be fired. Let's just get rid of him. I mean, there's no need to have him. Yes, once they complete the investigation, get rid of him, fire him. There's no need for it. Just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with Jared Porter, the Mets GM. The Mets, the Mets, the Mets took action quickly. Steve Cohen got rid of him. The Angels, Angels just got to get rid of Callaway. This is just unacceptable behavior. Get rid of the guy, and you, you, you can't have this guy in the staff. Just get rid of him. No, yeah, I completely agree. They should have got rid of him, and just like the Mets did, um, you know, a couple weeks ago with Porter. Yeah, instead of having a full-on investigation about this, yeah, they they should have just fired him. Um, it, it it makes no sense. Again, we talked about it. It you know, there's no place for in the in in sports to have this go on. You know, it's still so this just to have this guy suspended right now is not great. I I completely agree. He, he should just be suspended. It's it's sad to see. That again, it's it still goes on in in, in baseball in 2020, or you know, all sports in 2021. It still goes on, so it's a shame. And yeah, he, he should be fired. You know, he's nothing special. The Angels' pitching staff wasn't special, so I don't know why they need him to hang around right now. It's not like he made that pitching staff any better last year, and I don't think they'd be any better this year. So, might as well just get rid of him too for that that point. 
exactly exactly yeah it's just it's it just just get rid of them move on you can't have this going around especially your franchise is trying to rebuild that's trying to finally win with mike trout you don't need this going on just get rid of them make it easy and and and, and he, should, he should, just should not be uh he should not be coaching just just get rid of them but what our final story in baseball is about a rival team but you know we got to honor a player that was one of the better players of our generation that's justin Pedroia. i mean he had a Great career with the Red Sox. He retired, you know, on on Monday. He retired from the Red Sox. Yes, he pretty much his last season he played was 2017 because he really didn't play much in his last three years. He was hurt pretty much in in, in his last three seasons. I mean, I, a three time World Series champion, but really a two time World Series champion because he was a big part of the Red Sox championship team in 2007 and a big part of that team in 2013. That Boston strong team that came out of nowhere and won that World Series. To, after the marathon bombing. So he, he, I mean, he just was a great player for the Sox. I mean, he was a, he, he was a, uh, uh, and American League MVP in 2008. Remember that? I remember that season. The Sox got to the ALCS, lost to the Rays, uh, two time World Series champion, four time All Star. So great, great career for Justin Pedroia. And, and, you know, as a Yankee fan, I always respect him. I always respect the way the guy played the game. Uh, the guy always played it hard, you know, five foot nine. Um, wasn't expected to be the greatest player, and he get, got pretty much everything out of his. Uh, uh, he got everything out of what he was. He was just a, a really good player, played hard all the time, one of the top second basemen in the league, and potentially could be a Hall of Famer. So, re- great career for Justin Justin Madroya, and uh, and uh, I won't miss I won't miss playing against him, even though he didn't play much the last three years when he was with the Sox. I won't miss as a Yankee fan. I won't miss playing having to go up against him because he was a great competitor and a great and a great player. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's on for he career he career average actually ends at two ninety nine. So oh, wow. mystery hunter. just mystery hunter. Wow. On the other on the, other than Poppy and Mookie, probably my favorite Red Sox of my lifetime. Heart and soul of the squad. Absolutely. Sean made a great great point there. He was the heart and soul of that squad that was that that won those World Series. We remember and, and we remember uh, uh, the, the Red Sox. It was kind of a revolving door at second base. You know, Mark Bellhorn who hit the home run. Uh, Mark Loretta was there as their second baseman in 06, but he came in late in 06 and he was a staple at second base for them for pretty much a decade. I mean, he, yeah, he was, he was the heart and soul of that, of that team that, that won that world series in 07 that, you know, got to the LCS in 08, made the playoffs in 09. Uh, uh, then obviously things kind of fell apart 011, 012, but then things came back in 13. He was a big part of that team that won the world series. Obviously a big part of those Red Sox teams that got to the playoffs in 2016 and 2017. So Sean was uh, that year of that era with him and Poppy and, and him and big Poppy Mookie came there kind of at the end in like 2016, 2017. But yeah, I mean, he just a, a huge part of those two championship teams, him and David Ortiz, because you always remember the Red Sox won in 04 with, with Schilling, with Pedro, with Ortiz, with Manny. But once Manny left or Pedroia kind of became that player with David Ortiz, pretty much the heart and soul of the Red Sox teams, that one championship. So, you know, outstanding career, and he was the heart and soul of of a top organization in baseball. Definitely, you know, um, dude, you know, great competitor. Um, yeah, did not like to face him. You know, the old school kind of contact guy, low strikeout rate. You know, the guy, you know, again, kind of, it's gone away pretty much. You know, uh, but yeah, he's always a solid hitter, solid player for his size at five foot nine. Um, the battle like he did, was, it was great. It's unfortunate how kind of it all came to end with that slide with Machado. It, it kind of – that was, you know, unfortunately the beginning of the end right there, that knee. So it, it's unfortunate how it ended. But, yeah, you know, um, one of the, you know, one of the best and, you know, the last – in the last few years come. But, yeah, such an important piece for that Red Sox organization. 
Um, I will not miss having to face them. Yeah, you always put the ball in play. Yeah, they never really never struck out with the ball in play. Just a, just a really good player. But we are going to shift over to the NBA. And uh, last night was a great, great game between the Nets and Clippers. Probably the best regular season game of the year is the Nets beat the Clippers 124-120. Kyrie had 39. Uh, Harden had 28. Durant had uh, 20, 20, uh, 23. So, no, Durant had 28. Harden had 23. So the big three showed up for the, for the Nets. Clippers, uh, Kawhi and Paul George had big games too. So, Really, really just just good game on both sides. I mean, the Nets had the 10-point lead late in the game. Clippers came back. Nets eventually ended up getting the win. So I think this Net team, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about, oh, you know, they don't play defense. They don't play defense. This is the NBA in 2021. It's not the NBA in 2004. You don't need to be a good defensive team. It's like you don't need to have a good big man to win a championship. You don't need to be a good defensive team to win a championship, okay? The Nets are so great offensively with Kyrie, with KD. And with and with Kyrie, Kyrie, KD, and Harden, that they have enough offensive offensive firepower, they can win a championship. And they proved that last night. They beat one of the top teams in the league. They beat one of the top defensive teams in the league. It showed you that offense beats defense in the NBA, and then, and it proved it last night as as the Nets won. And in my opinion, I, I don't care what their record is, they are the best team in the Eastern Conference, and the Clippers are a top three team in the NBA. Yeah, you know, um, it's a good game last night. Came down, came down the end. The only thing I'll say about the defense part is I know you are. You don't have to be great defensively. You cannot give up 50 points in the fourth quarter of the Washington Wizards. I know yeah, the Wizards come on, can come on, come on. It's, 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 it's a regular season game. It's an I, NBA I, I regular season game. It doesn't come matter. On. They gave up. They, they gave, okay, they gave up 50 points in an NBA regular season game. Okay? Who cares? No one's going to care about that game when they're in the NBA Finals. Okay? I don't care about their lack of defense. They have three great offensive players. That is good enough to carry them to the NBA Finals. And, okay, it, it is. You know, because I, I think the thing is, all three of these guys aren't going to be off on one night. There's just no way. It's possible two of them could. Could maybe. And maybe that night you do need to play some defense. Could they do it? I don't, you know, I guess we'll see. But, um, you know, with the big three put up 90 last night by themselves. They had that, you know, 13-0 spurt by themselves to kind of, Get them going there in the fourth quarter. Um, but, look, it, it, I thought defensively they played better than they did Sunday. And I, I thought, you know, I was kind of concerned to see how they would play against, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, who obviously are stars in their own right. Um, but, so you know, so I was, you know, um, kind of glad to see that. Yeah, actually, sure. Yeah, he's been a great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the, and 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 he and he's been a gr- really good facilitator when he was in Houston too. I loved. I like. I really like Harden playing the one. I think Harden is better at playing the one than Kyrie. Just play Kyrie off the ball. Mm-hmm. Let him do his thing and have Harden play the one because Harden is a better facilitator than Kyrie Irving. So yeah, Harden. Harden. Harden was great last night. Harden. Harden is really good. I, I like Harden playing the one. You, he's he's so he's so lethal offensively when he plays the one because you really can't guard. He, he, he can't. He, he's so good from three. You can't. He, he really can't guard. You have to. You have to draw another defender on him uh, when he goes to the basket, and that would get. And then you can get the ball to K, KD and Kyrie. So yeah, Harden was really good. I really I really like James Harden. Uh, uh, the way he's been facilitating. That's what. Yeah, it obviously does make the Nets offense really makes the off Nets offense amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah of course, of course, Jason's got to bring up the rebounds. Harden got rebounds, like too. Rebound, of yeah. course, Jace has to bring up rebounds. Even though it's the most overrated stat in the NBA, in my opinion, Jay's got to bring up the rebounds. All right, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. I'll give him that, Jace. I'll, I'll give him that, Jace. 
Yeah, yeah. I you know, I always like you know, guard get that. I think, you know, ten of them were defensive too. So I you know, he's doing a little bit of there on the defensive end, I guess. Defensive um, rebounds are pretty easy to get when I, no one's boxing you out, okay? It's pretty easy when you're yeah. just standing under well, the basket to get a rebound. It's pretty well, easy to get that, the rebound. Detroit, that that always annoyed me about the NBA. That nobody boxes out and just watches. Oh, that that's that that makes me cringe as a big guy. Um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, having Harden at the one has been great for this net scene. And it's been from the very beginning when Kyrie was out the first few games. You know, him and Durant, um, you know, were, were going off and he was playing the one. And their offense was absolutely gelling against you know, for a couple of games against the Cavs. Um, you, and Hector made a comment. You could say defense is a lost art in the NBA today, but I feel like you need some type of defense. Yeah, no, I get it, Hector. Yeah, yeah you do. You do I, I, was, I was exaggerating there. You do need – some kind of defense to win. I, I was exaggerating a little bit there. Yeah, we're not in the days where it was the, like the Spurs of the mid 2000s where you can win games like, you know, 78 to 72, but you do need to have some defense. You can't be giving up, you know, 140 points to win a championship. And that's where, you know, the criticism of the Nets not being good defensively, that is, is, that, is that is fair. But I just think when you have three players at the caliber of Kyrie, Durant, and er, Durant and uh, Harden, you should be the favorite in the Eastern Conference. I don't care what your record is, but I do get the point Hector is making about the defense. Yeah, you know it. It is a it is a lost art. You know, it, it's a, you know offense and you know the analytics that shoot threes because they'll score more points. But yeah, you know defense. You still got to win in a, a championship playing defense. You can't. Yeah, you can't give up 130, 140 every night and expect to win a championship. That just will not happen. Um, but yeah, you know, um, but with these three guys, they're probably not going to have off nights, all three of them at the same time. So yeah, it's not, you know, I, I think the Nets are going to be able to probably put up 130 on anybody. It's just as long as they don't give up 130 or 120 points, they should, they, you know, they have a chance to win every game. As long as long those three are on the floor together, they should be fine. You know, it's just, could somebody step up around, you know, if somebody is having a bad night and you know, they play a great defensive team that can lock down one or two. Could they have a third, you know, could somebody step up on this team? Like a Joe Harris, which I thought was decent last night. But, um, yeah, you know, this next team, I think it's the best team in the Eastern Conference. You know, if they could be, you know, if they're playing well, if they're doing enough defensively, they are definitely the best team in the Eastern Conference. Oh, if they play any kind of defense, just, just a little bit of defense, they're clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, um, they will be. Yeah, as long as they don't give up fifty points to Washington Wizards in the fourth quarter, they they should be fine. You know, but you know, I, I guess you know, yeah. You're you're, you're 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 just not gonna let that game go. You're not gonna let that regular season NBA no. game when they give up fifty points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. So you're not gonna. You're not I'm the two cab games. All right, all right, all right, all right. You're not gonna let those regular season game goes. I bypass I those. Re- all right, all right. I know, I know. I know you're gonna be critical of, of it, but I, I'll let those regular season go, games go, and I can I, I can move on from the regular season games, and I can see that what the Nets have with those three players with Harden, with Kyrie, and Durant, and I could I see those three players, and I'm and I, and I and I and I think clearly I don't care if they gave 50 points in the fourth quarter to Washington, they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. They they are. I, I you know they are they, they are. I don't you know talent wise they they are great, but. Yeah, I know nobody's going to be thinking about it in the playoffs, but if for some odd reason they lose the one seed by one game, 
He was and Sean that. even said it. Russ was a man on a mission that night. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Russ fan, but there are nights where Russ is on a mission, and he was he was he wanted to he wanted to beat Kevin Durant, and he wanted to beat that team. Uh, unfortunately, there are nights where he's not on that kind of mission. That's why you know the team only has I think four, I think five or six wins. But yeah, he was on a mission that night, and then they, and they and they won that game. I'll give him credit for that. But uh, unfortunately, it's a regular season game in the NBA that once we get to playoff time, no one's going to care about. No, nobody will. You know, as long as they win the Eastern Conference, they don't lose like the one seed by a game or two. Yeah, you know, if they do, I will bring up those three games right there. Yeah, Unless go ahead. All right, all right, all right. If we're at playoff time yeah. and they're lo- and they're losing in the playoffs, you can bring those games up. But if they're sweeping everyone, and they're, if they're going, if they're cruising through the Eastern Conference playoffs, those games are absolutely irrelevant. Yeah, which okay, which it could be definitely possible that they're, they're sweeping teams. You know. Yes. Yeah. Because yes, I, yes. I will admit there is more defense in the playoffs, and I understand why. You know, they, I, obviously they put better defense in the playoffs. So, you know, I get it then. But, yeah, you know, as long as they don't let this no defense haunt them in the playoffs from the regular season, uh, I'll I'll stay quiet about it. But, All right, yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. We'll see come playoff time. And, and here's another here's another uh, uh, comment from Hector. I don't feel they duplicate what LeBron did in Miami. And they lose, and they and they did lose a, cha- a, a championship game. Yeah, Hector doesn't feel like they duplicate it. Yeah, I think it's I think I think it's going to be hard for that team to to beat the Lakers. I, I I do. I think the Lakers are a little bit deeper, and obviously the Lakers are a little bit better defensively. But I do think that they, yeah, I think I think they might win a champ. I don't think they're going to get to the I I, I think they get to the finals. Golden State won seventy three games with the offense. Golden State won seventy three games with offense and then LeBron. Bam, good point there, Hector. That's a good point there. Yeah, because eventually when you get to the playoffs, the defense is going to take over. Yeah, I think that I think this net team gets to the finals, and I think and I think they lose to the Lakers because the Lakers have the depth and and they have the best player in the game and they have the defense. So I think that will win out for the Lakers if they get to the finals. But I just do I just think that the Nets, the way they are offensively, I think they they will win the Eastern Conference. How good they are offensively, they win the East. Yeah, I think they will because right now I know the Bucks are kind of, you know, haven't hit their stride yet. The Raptors are struggling. Boston, who knows? The Sixers, you can't trust. So, yeah, right now it looks like the Eastern Conference, they could blow through it. You know, I expect those teams to play better at some point. But, yeah, right now it looks like the Nets, there's nobody that's going to really stop them at the moment in the Eastern Conference. Uh, no, 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 not at all. But we got to get to another topic in the NBA. That's the All Star Game. They're trying to have an All Star Game this year, and and have the money and uh, have all the money go to uh, HBCU uh, to, to to raise money for for them. Yeah, the uh, uh, Black Colleges of America. So they they what they want to they want to raise money for for that. So we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens there. But I think it'll be good for them to hold an All Star Game. I think these teams need a break from the long jam of schedule and to raise money for charity. I'm all for it. Yeah. You know, um... You know, I saw March 7th, so I was good. I was like, they, you know, are they really going to try to do this during, you know, the NCAA tournament here on a Saturday? But no, so, it, yeah, you know, it sounds like it's all going to be on one night, too, which, you know, make it really, really uh, a fun event, having the three-point contest, the dunk contest, and then the All-Star game, you know, all in one night. And, yeah, so in making it for charity, I'm, I'm all in, you know. And I guess the TNT guys could be in Atlanta, wouldn't have to go anywhere, so – yeah, it, it, it's always that all-star break is nice to have for the players. Just to give them those, those few nights off there is always a bonus for them, too. 
Yeah, and it'd be great to give you know raise money for you know for black for HBCU. Uh, you know, give those African Americans even in inner cities the the opportunity to, to to go to college. You know, raise money for those colleges so they're they're able to you know have 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 the res have the resources for them. You know, for for you know the NBA the NBA mostly African American to have you know the resources for African Americans to uh, to, to be able to you know. Go, go to have the best education possible. So that's why I'm in favor. That's the biggest reason why I'm in favor of the game is because it is helping uh, HBCU. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, yeah, to be able to help out those kids to be able to go to college, you know, get a good education at college. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for, you know, the, the charity that they're, they're breathing money for, you know, and knowing the NBA, knowing the All Star game, um, and, uh, you know, Atlanta with the front, you know, it looks like in Atlanta's having fans too, you know, we saw that courtside. So yeah, you know, it would bring in a lot of money, I feel like, and for, for the uh, HBCUs, which is obviously a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap up the show talking about a little bit of college basketball and we'll start with UConn who hasn't almost, who hasn't played in almost two weeks. They play Seton Hall on a uh, Saturday and this is a big game because UConn, I looked at Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology. I looked at Joe Lenardi. Lenardi has UConn as a 10 seed. They got Seton Hall as one of the, uh, the first four teams in the field. So I think this is a really, really big game. I think this is going to be a close game. Boknight's not back yet, right? I do not believe he's going to be playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boknight looks like Boknight's not going to be back. So I think this is a close competitive game. But at home, I think UConn wins it. But the question I got for you, Justin, is who does Seton Hall have to – who does UConn have to be careful of uh, for Seton Hall knowing that Miles Powell is gone now? Um, it's Sandro uh, Mamou. Um, you know, big six eleven forward – um, he's been a double-digit scorer all four years have been seen Hall. He's going to be a tough matchup. With his size, he's athletic enough. I would assume Whaley's probably going to take uh, – probably going to be on him. Um, he'll have a few inches on Whaley. But he's a guy that kind of does it all for, for the Pirates. They like to kind of – and he could hit shots too. He's a big kind of stretch four guy. You know, I get actually he's their center, so he's like a stretch five for him. Um, but, he, but he's really, really good. He was on the first team. Um, Preseason Big East team, I would assume he's going to end on the first team, Big East team. He's averaging just under 18 points a game. He's been really solid. Um, he does it all for, for the Pirates. So that that is the one guy you really have to be aware of and know where he is at all times. Oh, yeah. Yes, it looks like it. And I haven't seen that much Seton Hall basketball this year, but uh, they lost Powell. Who else they lose last year? Um, I think – you know, they lost like three or four there. I'm kind of drawing a blame. They lost yeah, like yeah. three starters. Um, you know, but they, um, Quincy McKnight, the point guard, because I remember he was. Oh, I remember um, McKnight. Yeah, McKnight. Yeah, yeah. What about Romeo Gill, the big guy? He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. And there's one other guy. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. playing yeah. the G League. Yeah. And then Sean made a comment now. Tyrese Martin has continued to play well, and RJ Cole needs to step up and be more efficient shooting the ball. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's 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 a good point there. With uh, with 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 RJ Cole, I think his Tyrese Martin. They not now Tyrese Martin has probably developed into that second score when Bulk Knight comes back. But but the thing is, is since now that Bulk Knight has been out, and, to, and in a game like this, a game that's with it's a pretty even matchup, they're going to need RJ Cole to step up to be that second guy for them to be able to win that game. Definitely, you know, he definitely has been a streaky shooter. We saw that scene uh, the St. John's game on Mark Luther King death comes out, hits like three four. Threes right in a row has 12 points, and that was about it. He didn't, I think he scored another basket, one more, you know, he had one basket the rest of the game. So, yeah, they need him. He's been streaky all year. It's, I don't know if it's been the year off and then 
just with all the starts and stops, it's just affecting his, you know, it's just affecting it. I, I you know, I don't know. Cause he, he was great at Howard, but again, it's, it's a step up from Howard now, but um, they definitely need him to it. Yeah. Martin's been great. You know, um, he does it all. He had six foot seven. He could, he's a guard. He could play the fourth spot. Um, you know, again, as long as he could finish around the rim, which he did last, you know, He's better his last game against Butler. He'll be good, you know. Um, but yeah, he he is definitely um, involved in that second score, and you know, and again, we get Bogue Knight back, it will take less pressure off him, and I think that's when he could even have a bigger game uh, when more teams are focused on Bogue Knight instead of Martin. Yeah, we're hoping to get Bogue Knight back soon. You're thinking maybe Xavier game or when do you when do you think Bogue Knight? Um, Pro, I that's what I'm thinking. Maybe Providence next week, next Wednesday. Well, that would be huge to get him back for Providence. I said that last yeah. week. Yeah, um, because I think Hurley's supposed to have a coach's show tonight, so I would assume we're going to get updates on player injury because he's been quiet. Like it's it's been quiet. No, you know, I can't find anything on him, a Cooker, Jackson. So hopefully tonight he gives us some more information. But it's been about a month since he's had the surgery, and that's kind of the timeline that Hurley had about a month. So that's just what I'm kind of thinking. But, again, we don't know if there's been an issue in rehab or any of that. So hopefully, maybe Providence or not, I, I think it'll be next weekend. Yeah, we'll hope he gets back as soon as possible. And we're going to start digging really deep into UConn basketball. I think we're going to get really more in-depth into it because the football NFL season is coming to an end. I think we're going to start getting more in-depth into UConn basketball. As the tournament starts, you know, they're, into the meet, they're in the meat of the Big East schedule. The tournament starts coming. It starts coming come up in a month, so we're definitely going to start getting into you more into UConn basketball. But we want to talk about a big college basketball game from last night. And that was between Baylor and uh, Texas, and Baylor wins. You know, eighty three sixty nine. Their their guard play is outstanding with with uh, with Mar uh, Marcigo Teague with uh, with with Mitchell. I mean, it, their guard play is is and uh, Jared Butler. Their guard play is outstanding, probably the best in the country. The only issue is is interior scoring. And Seth Greenberg said it last night. This is the best defensive team he's seen since the 89-90 UNLV Rebels. That's high praise. That's high praise to get, to get compared to that team. So, I, yeah, Texas made a little bit of a run last night in the, early in the second half, but uh, Baylor took over late in the game. Baylor ends up winning it to stay undefeated and to stay the number two team in the country. But Justin doesn't think they're the best team in the country. No, I do not. Um, I, they are right there um, behind Gonzaga. You said it, though, the interior scoring. Gonzaga, um, they can put up 60 points in the paint on you. And Baylor did not have the size to match up with them. I was texting last night about it. That If anybody saw the Gonzaga play Virginia, Anthony Bennett was just sitting there just shaking his head. He had no answers for Gonzaga. He, anything he tried, he kept calling a timeout, trying to figure out uh, a way to stop the Gonzaga offense. And there were just he just had no answers. I have never seen a team absolutely, you know, just – just carve up a Virginia defense like they did. And it's unfortunate that Baylor Gonzaga got postponed due to COVID because you were looking you know, forward to I, that one. Oh yeah, I, I was. Oh, we got Hector. Oh yeah, he's he got Hector living away. Yeah, he's he's a Baylor guy, sick on Bears, living in living in living in uh living in uh uh he's living in Waco Tech. Yeah, he lives in Waco. So yeah, he's gonna be watching, he's gonna be interested to see what's going on this year. He's gotta be pumped up about yeah. the way Baylor's playing basketball. He's, he's gotta love the way Scott Drew is what he's done, what he's done with the program. It's been phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, I remember Baylor basketball growing up was not good at all. And then I remember that one year they got to the NIT, lost to Penn State, and they've been a really good team ever since. 
Yeah, you know, he, he's done a great job building this program. He's been there since like oh three oh two two. So they gave him the time, not like most colleges now nowadays. They they ship you out in two three years. They gave him the time, and it's it, it's pan, it's paid off tremendously for this program. Hopefully, this is the year he can make a run to the Final Four. I know he's he's always kind of Baylor's kind of been prone to you know always in that four or five seed kind of they they're prone to lose a 12 13 seed but at least not this year they're actually the first team too to beat every team through like the first 17 games by eight points or more since the 1990 1991 UNLV team so so another um, another UNLV comparison yeah. there and that those those teams and even in 91 92 those UNLV you know that that run of UNLV teams are really really good so that that is definitely high praise that Baylor has right now they are really really good um but I, I, you know, I have them a tad still behind Gonzaga, just barely. But, you know, I just don't know if they'd match up with Gonzaga's size on low. But this Texas, then, then the one thing I kind of want to say about Texas was um, this was like the first, I think Sunday was, Sunday or Monday was like the first time that they've had like their whole team back with Shaka because they've been battling COVID. So you can kind of see there was some rust on them last night. They got back into it um, very early in the second half, but just, did not have enough to get through, but um, that's a, that's another team. Jack has got a really, oh, really yeah. good team. Good, 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 good guard play with Andrew Jones and uh, Coleman. Good guard play yeah. there. Oh yeah. So um, you know, again, Texas could get. Yeah, they they're definitely a team that I could see having a shot to get to their first Final Four in school history as well, which is yeah. To think about. Yeah, I remember them getting there. I think once with Barnes in 03. Did they no? Did they actually? Yeah, I think in 03 against against oh. against against Syracuse. I think that was the team Carmelo beat in 03 to get to the final four. Okay. Right. But yeah, but yeah, they've they yeah, they've been knocking on the door for years with Lamarcus yeah, Aldridge, yeah. with Kevin Durant, and with the Miles Turner and with Mo Bamba. So yeah, they've been knocking on the they've been, you know, a good team for a while. But yeah, they, yeah. this could be, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to go to the final four. No, me neither. Um, you know, because um Greg Brown had a tough one last night, but he's he's been pretty good all year. He's been averaging like eleven seven. Like I, I, you know, I I expect him to play better last night. Um, I believe he's in foul trouble. Some of that game too probably help or hurt him. But yeah, you know, this Texas team definitely has the potential to get back to the final to, to get to the final four because it it was a big year for Shaka. You know, the the uh, hot seat was was burning in preseason for him. And Sean you know, makes a good pot. Big 12 strong at the top. Yeah, you got you got a you got uh you got uh Texas, you got Even Baylor. K- Kansas is not as good as they used to be. Oh, they can't, they don't have much scoring. And then o- Oak State's been a surprise. But o- 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 Oklahoma too, Oklahoma. Oklahoma Texas yes. Tech. So you got all those teams. So yeah, and Oklahoma played Texas Tech the other night. They played uh, tough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh so yeah, it's yeah, Big 12, very, very yeah, very strong at the top. Yes. Them in the Big Ten, probably two best conferences in college basketball this year. Yeah, Big Ten too is right there. Yeah, and Michigan State's been brutal, but yeah, Michigan, you know, Rutgers yeah. hanging in there. Even Penn yeah. State. Penn State's Put on the better. bubble. Yeah, they're on the bubble. Penn State, Maryland's on the bubble. Uh, yeah. Michigan and Illinois, even though Illinois is really good. Uh, even in Indiana too gave Illinois yeah. a game last night. So yeah, Big Ten's really deep. But I'd say Big Ten, Big Twelve, two best conferences in college yeah. basketball. Yeah, it, the Big Twelve has been for the last few years. Big Ten too. They they both been right there and and. They've been kind of the two prime guy because you look at the other one, ACC's down this year, SEC's down, Pac-12's down. Big East is, you know, outside of Villanova, Creighton, there's not, you know, again, UConn, you know, UConn, we get no rhythm. So, like, it's, you know, Big Ten, Big 12, yeah, have been the class of college basketball this year. 
But we got to wrap up with this one game where you can't do a sports talk show without talking about this game. And that's on Saturday. We got Duke and North Carolina playing in in, in, in Cameron. It's Cameron Indoor, right? Yeah, it's in Cameron. At, at, at Cameron, even though there won't be fans. It doesn't really matter. There won't be fans, but they'll be playing at Cameron Indoor on, on Saturday. Duke, very rough year. They've, they're really down. North Carolina, obviously better than last year, but still not a great North Carolina team. You're enjoying Duke being uh, bad a ton. So in this game, I think that I do think Duke wins. Though I think they need the game. I think it's it's it's, it's Saturday night. It's it's in it's it's it's, it's uh, they're at home. I think Duke wins this close. It should be a close game either way, even though these teams are not what they used to be. Yeah. The- yeah. I mean, I yeah. I think we might. I'm yeah, so it's a free meeting that both teams are not in top 25 since 1960. Which is so 1960, years, wow. So well, first meeting of the two teams that haven't been in the top 25. Because remember that one year where Duke was awful, that year where they like hit all those threes and went to double overtime against Vince Carter in North Carolina, like 95 where Krzyzewski had back issues and wasn't coaching. And, of mm. course, he wasn't coaching during those. But, yeah, that, that was the one time where I remember like Duke being awful. But, yeah, really, that's crazy. It's the first time since 1960 they weren't even in the top 25 and they played each other. Yeah, yeah, it just shows these – what these these two programs have been unbelievable, but it, it's been a down year for both. I don't trust either team in this game. Duke just they just don't guard. They don't play any defense, and you know, uh, and again they 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 try to two three zone against a Miami team that can't shoot, and they shot lights out against them Monday night. It, it's just it's it's funny to watch this Duke team play. They're just not very good, and uh, and. The last thing, too, is for anybody – because people still have Duke in the conversation in the NCAA tournament. Just – that's what's wrong with, with Tom Babel is, yeah, we think of Duke so much that they're 500 team, they're not very good, and they're still sitting in the conversation somehow. You know, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous that the team's sitting on the bubble. Uh, but anyway, for the game, both teams are not great defensively. North Carolina, it's a guard play this year. Caleb Love's averaging four turnovers a game. He's been very sloppy. He struggled last night against Clemson. They're a streaky shooting team. Um, you know, their guards just haven't stepped up. It's in Baycock um, down, down low. And also, um, it, it's been Baycock and Brooks that have been their two guys this year down low. I think that's kind of where they could dominate this game. They're the best rebounding team in the country. They average 49 rebounds a game. They get after it on the offensive glass as well. They're top, They're they're right there. I think just find UConn, I think, for top most offensive rebounds, in, you know, per game. Um, I, I think that's where they're going to get after it. Again, Duke's 2 3 zone could could work if Chesapeake decides to do it, to, you know, against North Carolina because their street, it's North Carolina had a good chance last night to go to Clemson, a team that was really struggling, and they laid an egg last night. And, you know, now, now bounce back to both these teams. And I think the winner is going to be whoever doesn't beat themselves because both teams have done that, you know, a lot this year. So, I do have North Carolina winning, but I don't trust either of these teams. So I'm not very confident picking either side in this game. Thing is, you know, no fans, and it's kind of been very different at Cameron. Teams aren't intimidated this year to go to Cameron indoors. No, no, nobody is. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of been a thing for um, Duke as well. But I, I do think North Carolina's a better team, not my not by much. But I, I think down low in the paint, I think North Carolina's going to be able to do whatever they want to them and i think that's where the difference will be in the game but roy cannot blow the 20 point lead again please 
please. <laughs> oh God, he's done that. He's, he did that last year. Yeah, at home he did that against the uh, Duke. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's a good sports weekend. You got that, and you got the NFC got the Super Bowl. So it should should be a really really good should be a great sports weekend. But that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J for just for Jace Garcia did a great job as our producer. Uh, Justin D'Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week recapping the Super Bowl. Enjoy Super Bowl Sunday, everyone. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys to the city. Keys to the city, baby. When you see us, so you know. Crossed up by Kobe. Well, floated Shaq. And then Shaq goes like this. And the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on. It's fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere.